This Honest Money podcast is brought to you by Placent Investment Management, informed by science, guided by insight. Placent Investment Management is a registered financial service provider. Welcome to another really exciting episode of Honest Money for me. We're, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, uh, and it's quite specific to investments. Uh, we're, we're talking about the importance of asset allocation. And and I, I'm going to explain that now. Um, so, so, so don't switch off if you think this is going to be dry and boring, because I'm joined by one of my good friends, uh, one of South Africa's investment uh, distribution gurus, Ray Mere from um, he's head of retail at Prescient Investment Management. So, so let me start by saying uh, thanks for joining us, Ray. It's great to have you on the on the show. Thanks, Warren. Great to finally get the invite. Uh, long overdue. I apologise, but you know we needed to make sure we had a good topic for you. So, so just for 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 our listeners, uh, when we talk about asset allocation, what we're talking about is that combination of cash bonds, property, and shares, and, and how you put that together in uh, investment portfolio. And, and it could be in a million different ways. I mean, we're not prescriptive in, in terms of saying to people it can only be done in exchange-traded funds or it can only be done in unit trusts. It's, it's really more important to say, as an overall, if you're an investor, this is something really important to focus on. So, so maybe just to kick off, Ray, I mean, it sounds like a dumb question, but I think there, there are no dumb questions in investments. Why, why is it important? Well, Warren, I think asset allocation is important because it basically mirrors your goals and needs to your investment approach. So what, what I mean by that is asset allocation is an investment strategy that helps you to balance risk and reward in your portfolio of assets. So for example, if you are a short-term investor and someone who's looking to invest in buying a car next year, you probably don't want to, to expose your assets to a lot of volatility and you want to be in something that is a little more short-term so you can buy, you know, so that the market doesn't affect your, your, the value of your money so you can buy the car or go on holiday next year. Whereas on the other hand, the same investor wanting to go on, uh, wanting to invest in retirement in 20, 30 years from now is probably going to want to be invest in something a little more aggressive than just cash because they're only going to use that money in 14, I mean, in, in a few more at the age of 55 or, or older. Okay, so so um, I mean, I must say for for me, it's it's a it's a key question I get from people, uh, you know, very often is, you know, I've got got three years um, to buy a car, I've got cash now that I want to set aside for the car, so I'm just going to put all my money in the stock market and and you know and and let it grow as much as possible. And what you're saying is, uh, you know, if I've got a three year goal and I and I put all the money in the stock market, I could I could get to to three years time and my money is lost. You know, let's say I had three hundred thousand ready for the car, and suddenly it's only worth two hundred thousand because the stock markets have fallen, and and I'm not able to to fulfill my goal. That that's that's what we're talking about here is choosing the right asset uh, for for the right objective. Correct, and it's it's your goals. I mean, in terms of your objectives, as you say, the risk tolerance that you're willing to take, and also people must also remember to consider the time horizon that they have to invest because that also affects what type of assets that you decide to invest in. More risky assets, you'll probably want a longer-term horizon so that if anything happens in the market, you've got time to recover, whereas shorter-term goals, you, you can go into less risky um, assets, which won't give you the same kind of returns, but at least, like I said, your money is a little more stable. 
Okay, so you're you're dropping some gems on us here, which I think we need to just expand on a bit. So you, you mentioned risk tolerance. So so for for someone uh, you know who's starting out, that that what you're talking about here is uh, um, a psychological thing, right? This is about uh, you know if if the stock markets fall apart as a as an emotional reaction, are you going to are you also going to fall apart, or are you going to panic, or will you look at it and and kind of ride through those? So so I think that's a really important factor. You know, because it's not something, um, uh, you, you know, a fund manager or a wealth manager or, or financial planner can can tell a person. It's something that's built into each of us. We we are the only people that will know our own risk tolerances, and sometimes only through experience. But but it's a key factor, as you say. I mean, I think if you if you have no tolerance for risk, um, you know, and you you say. I, I can't deal with my money, you know, going backwards at all. Even if it's for a week or a month, uh, it has a huge impact on on your ability to 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 invest in shares, as an example, because you know shares are going to give you the best capital growth over over a decade or two. But but in the very short term, it could be the thing that loses you the most money. Correct, and it, and when you're thinking about it, when people think about asset allocation and how it helps you to kind of prevent yourself from having those. I call them heart attacks. You know, if you keep, there's some people who look at their portfolios every couple of days and then they see that it's gone up or down on, and they, they and I suppose that's the measure of risk tolerance is can you handle the, the emotional roller coaster of your, watching your assets go up and down over any period of time? And what asset allocation does for you, it, it kind of smooths out that kind of return that you get by investing in different types of investment assets. So in any kind of portfolio, different assets will react differently during different periods of any kind of market or market cycle. And so in some t- at some times there'll be winners, at other times there'll be losers, but it's very hard to pick which one is going to do what at any given point in time. So the point of asset allocation is to put those winners and losers together. And what they do is they kind of smooth out your return so that you have a smoother ride to get to the goal that you want to get to. So if we think about this, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a very practical way, you know, you might have uh, some money sitting in a money market fund and uh, you know you you see it going up day after day month after month year after year and it feels like you know you're you're a hero here because your money is you know making a little bit of money every day and and that's fantastic uh, you never see this this roller coaster ride that you're talking about but but the problem with that will be that uh, you also don't see kind of a a, a tweet or a, a um, you know a headline saying hey your buying power of your money has just fallen apart over the last year because inflation has eaten eaten away all the buying power of your money so if you have let's say some money in a money market fund. I mean, I don't think either of us would ever t- tell people to have zero cash. I mean, to have a little bit of cash is always a, a decent idea. But but if you have some cash uh, and you combine that with some shares, what, what that means is that when, when shares are booming and going really well, your cash might not be doing any better than it was doing last week or last month or last year. But when stock markets are falling apart, which they will do from time to time, your cash is still going up. So you've got two things in a portfolio that are moving very differently from each other uh, and actually have different jobs. But but the combination of the two, I think I always say, you know, if, if you get that mix of the assets right, and it's not just cash. I mean, we need to talk about bonds, you know, government bonds and maybe property companies as well. But but if you put those together, you, you kind of get to the point where one plus one gets you to two and a quarter, you know, and that's really what we're looking for in, in the investment world. Correct, 100%. And and. uh the, one of the other consequences that you get from good asset allocation is means that by getting that kind of um, 
smoother return where you've got a well-balanced portfolio. It also, if you think about the average investor, we tend to chase performance. We want to pick last week's, last year's winner and move and switch our money left, right and center chasing performance. But similar to timing the market, it's very difficult to, to invest in last year's winner and expect it to carry on winning. And when you do the right asset allocation or the be, like your asset allocation is correct, what you find is you, by having that smoother return, you're less inclined to start chasing returns every single time because you're not, your, the volatility of your portfolio has been reduced as a result of having a good mix of assets in your individual portfolios. So I suppose that's another, um, benefit of having a great opt- optimal asset allocation. Now, the, the, the nice thing about, um, the, especially the unit trust world is it's actually been built with this in mind, you know, if you look at uh, the you know the categories of unit trusts that, that are out there, uh, they, they actually kind of design um, you know types of unit trusts to suit investors who have different time horizons. But you know that that would be one uh, one category, but also different tolerances for risk and, and and different investment objectives. So, you know, you know, I always think of my kind of two favorite uh, uh, broadish groups of, of of unit trusts for investors is. You know, you know, a typical kind of balanced fund. I, I mean, it might not say balanced fund as a name, but if you look at the balanced fund category, I think the unit trust language for that is uh, what, what is it? High equity um, asset allocation. What you're looking at inside there is, uh, you know, a fund that can have a very significant allocation to shares. You know, it could probably range from. 40 or 50% right up to, to 75, but, but it also does have, uh, shares, uh, sorry, uh, cash, government bonds, property companies, and, and then both local and global exposure. And it's all sitting in, in one portfolio where, where, where a fund manage, manager or a fund management team are, are, are managing that quite rigorously in terms of not over allocating you to shares because they've got restrictions. If they're if they're in a balanced fund, they can't have a hundred percent in shares. They also can't have a hundred percent in cash. So, if you're if you're a client of a of a fund like that, it means that uh, you, you already know the range of, of of outcomes that you could get, how much you would have in shares in in, in good times or bad. But but it also gives you the, the ability to do some uh, kind of not not forecasting is the right word but 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 some proper planning to say well I've got ten years for this money and so my balanced fund is is a good objective for that. Uh, I think also um, the, I'm, I'm I'm never sure of these names they change all the time but but let's call them the cautious or moderate kind of funds where, where they've got a much lower allocation to shares you know that let, let's say they they'll range. You know, up to a maximum of maybe forty or fifty percent, and and those kinds of funds have a much bigger allocation to bonds and 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 property and cash, uh, and and the idea there is they're not going to get you the same capital growth over long periods of time, but but they are good for investors who really can't tolerate a lot of risk. Um, and they're probably also good for people that have got a shorter time horizon. Let's say kind of up to that five-year uh, horizon. So, so it's it's good for me. I think when we look at this, to to kind of make it quite concrete for people. And I think those are two very nice kind of concrete examples of of how how you can get an asset allocation uh, and make the big decisions for yourself, but then hand over the kind of more day-to-day allocations to to a fund management team. Correct. And and the trick with getting your asset allocation right is once you've determined the right mix of, you know, the assets, whether it's property, shares, bonds, or cash, that suits your goals 
kind of your investment time horizon and the risk that you're willing to take is you need to remember that in any investment portfolio, that same asset allocation will not stay the same because like we said earlier, the different assets will perform differently. So by outsourcing that kind of management to a fund such as the, an asset allocation fund that you're talking about, those managers' role is to make sure that the asset allocation stays within the band that you are willing, that you want to be in. Because if you leave it to yourself, you just have to, you have to constantly remember to rebalance your your portfolio in order to stay in that correct asset allocation. So it's a, it's, it is a great idea to look at those balanced funds, stable funds, um, or cautious funds, like you call them, because those assets, you're paying someone else to do it for you and to remain in this, the asset allocation that is optimal for you, given your personal circumstances. It's obviously very difficult to find for, for those kind of funds to accommodate every single person's individual needs, but they're more or less working in a band that is suitable for, for people in the, in similar categories. And I think that there, you, you make two key points there. One is you can't, as a as a as an individual, you can't outsource the entire asset allocation decision to to a fund manager or fund management team that know nothing about you. It's impossible for for them to know every single individual investor. So so it is important that when you when you're deciding on on the investments that suit you best, you've got to make that call as the investor to say, for me, for my requirements. A balanced fund is ideal, and then you hand over the the kind of day to day to the fund management team to then go from there and make the best decisions they can within that range that you've that you've mentioned that 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 band of allocation to the different asset classes. But but you know I, I hear a lot of critique sometimes of of asset managers where people say, well, you know they got it completely wrong. You know they the fund managers didn't know what was going on uh, w- w- with the markets, and uh, it, it's 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 important to know that if you allocate money to a balanced fund manager, that that fund manager can never have 100% of your portfolio in cash. It's not, they're not allowed to do that. And it's certainly, I think that they'd, they'd, they'd be in breach of regulations if they did. And, and if I was their boss, I'd fire them because, because the job there is, um, you know, to, to run with a high proportion of shares, but they can reduce the allocation to shares. That's certainly possible. And if they think the stock market's very cheap, they can increase the allocation to shares. That's what we're paying them to do. But certainly, we're not paying them to to know what's going on in each individual's life and and then try and you know ma- match one portfolio for for thousands of different individuals. That that is the job of the individual allocating the money to the fund, and that's the control I think you always need to have if you're an investor in a fund or a range of funds. So, so if we're in this space, uh, I mean, I think it's important also just to talk about the, the, the ability to allocate that money both globally and in South Africa, right? So, so I mean, if you're in a balanced fund, you're not uh, restricting someone or a fund management team just to SA assets. I mean, they've got the ability to to allocate money with, within a range, again, to, to the SA markets or global markets. Yeah. So what the beauty of our asset allocation funds in South Africa is they allow those managers to do quite a few things. And in fact, earlier on this year, um, National Treasury actually announced that um, pension funds and any kind of investments managers who manage those balanced and stable funds are allowed to take a little more money offshore. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to. It just means that they they can allocate what used to be 30% in global shares and 10% in the rest of Africa. Now they're allowed to allocate 45% of your money into global shares, including um, Africa. I suppose, depending on how you feel, I, I, I don't look at that kind of global asset allocation as a call on whether you believe South Africa is the right place to invest or not. I think being able to allocate your money globally in general is a great thing. So if you can invest in U.S. 
um, take shares or, um, you know, shares in China, China take shares, it's stuff that we don't have here in South Africa. So the more diversified your portfolio is, the better. And the beauty, again, of being in an asset allocation fund is that these asset managers have all of that at their disposal. So they're the ones that go out and try and figure out where the best place to be. So making a call to be in shares is just not only a call about South African shares and which shares. It's actually whether South African shares, global shares, what type of shares. Um, there's quite a big there's still a lot more decisions that have to be made once you've made the decision to allocate that portion of your money into shares. And outsourcing it to an investment manager who can do that means that they, they, they have the expertise to actually to decide how much goes where and into what sectors. Yeah, and I, and I think it's also key there that if you're in the space of, of, of building up a global portfolio, you know, just understanding again that, you know, a, 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 I know we're talking about balance funds a lot, but, but the same would apply to the sort of the cautious stable funds as well is – uh, the, the fund managers again operate within a within a restriction. So if they can get the the forty five percent global allocation and they feel that that's what's correct for the fund, that's all they can get. So if you need additional uh, offshore allocation and, and that's what you need to suit your life and your objectives, th- then you need to get it outside of the fund. That's a separate decision and it's something you as an investor should take control of. But but I think the, the you know that that global local allocation in a, in a balanced fund. Um, is important, and I think you you know you you're, you make the point. It's not a a decision about um, you know avoid SA or a call on the on the on the South African economy or stock market. It's a call on saying where are the best opportunities to get the most diversification. Again, you know the only free lunch in the investment world for me is is that that diversification argument. You know about about making sure you've got a proper spread of assets. Uh, both in terms of cash, bonds, property, and shares, and then also the local and global markets and taking advantage of all the opportunities you can and spreading your risks as far and as wide as you possibly can. Absolutely. And I think that the more, like you said, if you don't have, I think people should also be aware that you don't have to, obviously in the pension fund space or in a retirement annuity where you are forced to be in a Regulation 28 kind of investment. So Regulation 28 is the prudential guidelines that we've been given, that we've all been given in terms of how much we can invest um, in shares, uh, property, offshore and local. So whatever you don't get out of there, Warren, I think you make a great point in saying that there are other options available to you. So what you do in your pension fund, um, you could do something completely different in other fund, in your other investments. And that's why people do have different uh, types of investments for different reasons. So, so we're, um, we're, we're, we're uh, rapidly approaching uh, extra time in our, in our episode. And I, I wanted to just ch- check in with you, Ray, if there, if there are any other main points that we need to, to, to kind of highlight to our listeners around asset allocation. The only research has shown that asset allocation is probably one of the most important things in any investment portfolio or in any one of your biggest investment decisions that you make. It's probably more important than what actual shares you invest in. So I suppose the, the last thing I'd like to say is that in terms of asset allocation, when making the decision of what to allocate, where to allocate your money, once again, I urge people to think about the three things, which is what are your goals? What's your time horizon? And how much risk are you willing to take to achieve that? That will probably help you determine where you should allocate your money. And as Warren said, you obviously... The biggest, um, the thing that you want to avoid the most in investing is not beating inflation, but at the same time, don't blindly go into uh, shares because you think you're going to make more money when you actually don't have either the stomach for it or the time horizon for it. 
Yeah, th- uh, thank you. I, I agree with that 100. percent It's uh, you know I think in the, in the investment world, um, you know, it is a complicated uh, place to be. Changes all the time, and and there are lots of things happening. You know, and and lots of new kinds of investments that we either need to to look at or ignore. Uh, and and we're always fa- faced with a huge influx of news and, and and often a lot of noise. But but the one key, the one golden thread through all of this is if you get your asset mix right. Uh, you've achieved, I think, around eighty or ninety percent of the of the investment game, uh, and, and I and, and I couldn't agree with Ray more. I think it, it is the thing to to focus on, and it is important to understand that you know it's your life and your dynamics which determine your asset allocation. It's not based on what you think the markets are going to do next week, because that that's a surefire way to to kind of t- take yourself off the path to to financial freedom. So so on that note, I'm going to going to wrap it up. Uh, Ray Merrier from Prescient Investment Management, thank you so much for joining us. I'm uh, very sure we will have you on the show again. Thanks, Warren, and thanks for the opportunity. Prescient Investment Management, informed by science, guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is a registered financial service provider.